0: Because uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, I want us to focus on the big picture of not only the big picture of generosity in general, but the big picture. So I'm going to do a Bible Project video that focuses on generosity through Scripture. And I like this perspective of uh, the whole arc of Scripture. Before we go dive back into Acts, where we've been talking specifically. And a couple other scriptures we'll, we'll reference as well. So that... Is the whole Bible <laughs> we are trying to summarize on generosity but the big theme as you see is God is so generous to us and when we have a beautiful day like yesterday with all those trees in bloom and uh, and uh, showing off his beauty and his generosity and his graciousness in creation and then giving his himself to us and that is the key and we see that in acts this church entered into the kingdom, and they saw that generosity that God had. And so, remember, as we looked last time, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly, and they shared everything they had. None of them thought that what they had was their own. Why? Because they trusted God. They believed in His generosity, and so they were, this is that passage we looked at last, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God boldly, and they were united, and none of them felt that anything they had was their own. So they shared everything they had. They didn't have to. They, they still owned it, but they didn't f- grasp it, and they were able to share it. And God's great blessing was on them all. So they had that generosity Receiving and sharing, and therefore, there were no needy people among them. Isn't that great? A place, a community of, of 5,000 plus, I think it was 5,000 men at that point, that, that are no needy people among them, even though a lot of them were strangers from all over the world, there were still no needy people among them because they shared. And when they needed more, they just gave some capital. They sold houses or lands, and Barnabas is an example of that. And notice, Barnabas is introduced here. Barnabas sharing generously his treasure, his land, frees him up for this generosity with his time and his talent and his life, so that he becomes one of the great missionaries to Antioch and then on to the rest of the world, and bringing up Barnabas, bringing up Paul and bringing up Timothy, um, um, yeah, well Timothy as well as uh, Mark and others. So that generosity, starting with his treasure, is what launches, at least for our attention, Barnabas's career as a great example and a great encourager. See, I think Barnabas thought, wow, what a great deal. I could make sure that there are no needy people among us, that those widows are fed and those strangers have enough, and all it would take was my field. He was like, isn't this a great deal for us? Because his us was that big, and his trust in God was that big. And now you're thinking... Oh, this is just too good to be true. I've never seen a church like that. And we only have glimpses of it. I re- we have a lot of glimpses of it. I, we were talking about it last time. We do have a lot of sharing. But there also were challenges. So here, back to the question, who, what do you fear? What threats from the powers? We talked about a number of threats. We've talked specifically about destitution or poverty or the powers could fine you. Things could be taken away. You could lose your money. Um... But there's also now an internal threat of deception that comes to this church. Deception has never happened around money, right? You've never heard of anything like the Enron scandal or Bernie Madoff or anybody ever deceived anybody with money because there wasn't enough. Um, so here's the story. It, it's beautiful and it's ugly. And let's be honest, people are that way. And the church can be that way. It can be beautiful and ugly. And God is still in control. And so, let's read this. Acts 5. um, But there was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. So, Luke is setting us up here now. He gave a great positive example of this. In Barnabas, here's his negative example. Ananias and Sapphira brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming... It was the full amount with his wife's consent he kept the rest
1: what was the problem there well we'll find out the problem
0: wasn't that they kept some of it the problem in their hearts was that they didn't trust God so let's just read on then Peter said Ananias why have you let Satan fill your heart oh The Holy Spirit was just filling people's hearts. Now, somebody in the church, Satan has filled their hearts. Just like Judas got too into the money and Satan filled his heart. You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit is a person that you can lie to, a real person and God, because later he says you lied to God. Not just a force, but a person. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to
1: us, but to God.
0: So, the problem wasn't that everybody had to give everything they had to the church. They didn't have to give anything. It was his his house. It was his land. He didn't have to give any of it. And when he sold it, he could have kept the whole thing. Or he could have given part of it and said, here's a quarter of it. Here's a tenth of it. Here's a one percent. Here's half of it. But instead, he said, here it is. All of it.
1: But it wasn't all of it. It was
0: deception. And it was easy enough to get away with. It was a a big gift, apparently enough for people to think it must have been all of it. But yet, this was a serious concern. So, what happens? As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everybody who heard about it was terrified. So, other people, like Barnabas, are bringing... Their gifts, and and they're laying them at the apostles' feet. Ananias drops dead at Peter's feet. And Sapphira drops dead. It's a a thing of submitting to the apostles, and you do whatever you want with this. Share it with the needy as you see fit. But this is a different kind of submission. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. So are they afraid? Yes. They're afraid. Afraid of what? Then some men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, if you thought somebody was going to die here, you might not have come, right? And it says that people—it says a little bit later that people were afraid to join them because oh, they got a something's going on there. They got a big god. Now this is. Something that is not unusual in Scripture. If you remember, there was a, um, a couple of priests who offered unholy sacrifices just at the beginning of the priesthood, Aaron's son. And they were killed, dropped dead in that temple, that tabernacle. There was Achan. Remember, they had all this power. This, it's time. They went in. They, they crossed the Jordan and the, and the river split. They walked around Jericho and the walls fell down and they conquered it. And Achan held just a little bit back, and nobody knew, until they went to the next little village to conquer it, and they were defeated, and 36 people died. And they're like, what happened, God? And then God pointed out to them, Achan took a little bit of what was supposed to be devoted to me, what was supposed to be destroyed and given to God, and he kept it. And so Achan ends up being killed by the whole community. You remember when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and David was celebrating and then somebody reached out just to steady the Ark on the ox cart and he dropped dead immediately. God
1: is powerful. God is holy. God is not
0: to be messed with. Now, I know a lot of us read this scripture and we're like, "Ah, what? What kind of God is that? I thought God was loving. We want to put God into our box. Our definition of what loving is. Our definition of what he ought to do. And he certainly shouldn't be killing us. But he gives us every breath. He's not killing us. He's just returning Withdrawing the breath that he gives us breath by breath. Right? So, God, I want you to notice that they, what were they afraid of? What were they afraid of? Let's ask the question who, what do you fear? Um, what threats concern you
1: and what do you desire? Are you afraid of poverty?
0: Are you really desiring control or certainty or what else that money or property or treasures give us, right? There's a lot of things they give us. And honestly, it's not just money, it's, it's the stuff in our houses that, that keeps us back. It's, the, it's our, that nice thing we have that we spend so much time figuring out what to buy and how to maintain it and whether to give it or not give it or should we polish it or we spend... Our, stuff consumes us and we all have different stuff right we can look at somebody else and say oh they're so consumed by their stuff but we have our own stuff right genders tend to do this so they spend so much time on their stuff okay, for me it's books and I was leaving Tanzania Kenya and I had to decide which books to give away which books to sell which books to put in a suitcase boy that was excruciating Because I like my books and it was hard to make the right decision with every one of those books. Um, but we all have things, or is it people? We have shame, and we desire honor and respect. I'll be honest. I do. I want to be a hero. Um, and sometimes, you know, i tried missionary, i tried pastor, and, you know, giving might be a way to do it, but, you know, it doesn't, The reality is is day-to-day things are tough. Parenting, being a husband, just getting through life is tough. Never mind being a hero, right? But we're looking for that honor and respect, aren't aren't we? So Ananias and Sapphira thought, you know, isn't it great the way people are honoring Barnabas? Because he gave all this. And... I'd like to have that. Wouldn't it be great if I could have my name on that building, on that plaque, on that memorial, on that? I could be somebody. I could be a hero like Barnabas. He wanted to have the honor and respect. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to have the honor and respect, but they also wanted to have that certainty and control, and they weren't ready to give up their money. And whatever, it doesn't tell us what it was that it symbolized for them. They were willing to sell their land, but not give it all up. Now, let's be honest. All those things grab us. Okay, they grab me. Sometimes I feel shame because I don't make more money. Sometimes I feel shame because I have more money than my Tanzanian friends. Sometimes I feel, and sometimes I want honor for this or that. And, and I, I like honor. And I hate shame. And I also
1: like to have some money in my pocket or in the bank to be able to do things, right? right. Nobody else, though? You, you guys are all okay?
0: Um, you never have any, uh, any issues with any of that stuff related to your stuff? Um. <laughs> okay, somebody's honest. so what ananias and sapphira didn't fear was god they didn't fear god's judgments they didn't desire his honor his reward and his real life at least not as much as they desired the praise of people or the things that money could buy or give them and that's really where i'm stuck honestly i do fear god and i do desire honor and reward and life from god do i desire it more than honor from people than the certainties that money can buy and that is where my decisions get caught because what I really desire and what I really fear is what makes me make my decisions with my money, with my stuff, with my time, talent, and treasure. Right? Now, I want my heart to want what Jesus wants. I do. But I need a bigger picture. I need to see how big and powerful and able God is and how just He is. And how much he loves me and everybody else who maybe he wants me to share with.
1: Right? And when this happened, it reoriented
0: the rest of the church to greater fear of God. The rest of the community to greater fear of God. And less fear about money or about prestige.
1: Um... So
0: how can you desire better? How can you line your desires up? Jesus told us, where your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also.
1: So how can I fix my heart? Just put, just goes like this.
0: My heart goes there. (laughs) Wherever I put my heart, wherever I put my treasure, my heart follows. Right?
1: You know that's true. You buy a new car
0: and suddenly your heart is there. And you pull out the brochure and think about all the good things that were about that car. You see every other car that's like your car. You think, oh, those are people are really smart like me. And your treasure follows your heart. No, no, no. That's not the way it is, right? That's what we think it is. What Jesus said is, your heart follows your treasure. So I can guide my heart. Move your treasure, move your heart.
1: That's how it works.
0: You invest in somebody's political campaign. All of a sudden, you are pro that person. Even if you were iffy-iffy on them, this is, this is reality. You put a sign up in your yard for somebody, you start to believe in that candidate. That's where the stats go. It's not because you believe in the candidate necessarily, but a lot more after you put the sign up. If you want to desire what Jesus does, invest where he invests. Where does Jesus invest? He invests in the poor and the needy and the marginalized, the people he loves. He invests in his church. And he invests in his church investing in the poor and the needy and the marginalized. Right? If I invest where Jesus invests, I'm going to have his heart that's great and I get to experience his generosity I get to experience everything he's done and then I get to experience it again even more when I give it and honestly Jan and I have been having a great time throughout our lives experiencing his generosity and experiencing giving it and I thought about telling you a whole bunch of stories about that and then I was like but am I sure that my motive is all, that there's no hero motive in there. So I compromised. Here's the deal. I think I can do it that way, but I didn't know if I could do it for all of you. And I didn't know what kind of envy or what, uh, comparison or whatever might get triggered for you. So here's the deal. I will tell you anything you want about my finances or about my giving or anything else if you come and talk to me. And I'll tell you all the ways God's blessed us. And you pick one. And, and I'll tell you how God blessed us and how we were getting to bless people. And it's so much fun. But I just wasn't sure if I told you all right here that my heart wouldn't get hooked. And I'd be doing it for the wrong reason. So, um, but I got all kinds. Of, here's, here's the problem, though, is that we don't honor God because we don't tell those stories enough. So that's my dilemma. Um, so I encourage you also to tell the stories to each other. Tell somebody about what God did for you. Tell somebody about how you got to give something and, and how great it was. Now, Matthew 6 is the thing that comes up when we do this. So first of all, I want you to notice um, the apostles knew, right? They knew Barnabas gave this. They knew Ananias and Sapphira gave this. The apostles knew what was given. So it's not that, there was no, that nobody knew what anybody did. That's usually what we do in Minnesota. Nobody knows what anybody has. Nobody knows what anybody gives. And it's not just here. Um, the Zoramo in Tanzania, they, everybody eats on their porch so they can see that they're eating just like everybody else but they hide their grain in the attic. Now we have found much better ways than hiding grain in the attic. We have much place, better places to hide things. Money does that for you. You can put it here, you can do offshore accounts if you want to, you can always hide your money, right? But what does deception do to us? And here's my question. When we don't say something, is that also deception? So most of us are like, oh, I don't want to say anything about what I'm giving or not because that would be, I would want to deceive people. But if I don't say anything, am I also deceiving people? And may, maybe I'm just kind of putting on a little bit of image, whatever that image is whether I want to look poorer than thou or richer than thou or cooler than thou or whatever the hipster than thou, whatever your particular image that you're trying to project. So this is the passage we go to. Jesus said this, watch out. Don't do your deeds publicly to be admired by others. So the motive is the key here, all right? So he says, don't pray in public. Well, we do pray in public all the time here, right? We have prayer gatherings all the time. We pray up front. Is there, are we disobeying that scripture? No, we're, we're disobeying it when we're praying to be seen as spiritual. We disobey this when we're giving to be seen as generous. Not to be generous. So don't do your deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do that as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. That never happens now, though, right? Nobody ever publishes all that they've given or all that they're doing, right? No, no. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. So I want to clarify on this. The point is not that if I see you give, I'm going to take away your reward. The point is that if you give for a motive that I can see you, that's all the rewards you get. Are you following me? But what we do is we use this passage to say... Therefore, I have to make sure nobody knows anything about my finances or my giving or what I make or
1: what I do with my my money. Right?
0: We cover our cover-up with this passage. But here's the problem. If we can't help each other and disciple each other in how to be receiving God's generosity and how to be giving generously, and what are your stories about ways God has blessed you and what are and I have heard some of your stories about ways God's blessed you. I've heard some of your stories about the way that God has used you to bless others and they encourage me so much. But if we just say, "Ah, I'm not going to talk about it." We miss glorifying God with all the stuff he did. Are you catching me? Here's my dilemma. I've got all these great stories of ways God's blessed me and ways I've gotten to get in on it. How do I share those without glorifying me? Right? Because it's all about God. And when we share something that God gave us, credit is that to us. He gave it to us in the first place, right? Barnabas got the land from God in the first place. So, um, are you following me? I'm... Dealing with this tension, and I've dealt with it as I prepared for this sermon. How do we share our stuff and share stories that glorify God about it without getting hooked on the honor? How do we not be
1: deceptive? Right?
0: Because we are easily deceived by the deceiver, and we easily fall into that deception because we are afraid of money. And we're afraid of people. We're not afraid of God. We don't believe God's got the power to supply for us. We don't believe God's got the power to honor us. We don't believe that there's really a reward out there. Now and in the future. That he's going to take care of everything. So then we have to hedge our bets. We don't have to hedge our bets, people. God is so generous, he wants to give through you. And as soon as you give, as soon as your bowl is empty, he gets a chance to fill it up. This was a temptation even for Jesus. You remember? Make these stones into bread. You're the son of God. You can do it. He refused to provide for himself. He refused to get the prestige of of jumping off the temple. He refused people pleasing or power or provision for himself. And as a result, he got to feed 5,000 people. Because he blessed it with God and he broke it and he gave it away. I don't know if he got to eat or not. I guess there was 12 baskets of leftovers, so he probably wasn't hungry. But that's the beauty of a bowl that can be refilled. But a bowl that's full can't be refilled. So 1 Timothy 6, teach those who are rich in this world. Okay, I'm going to start right there. I hate talking about money. And people think, oh, the church is always talking about money. The church is always after our money. Except I got commanded by Paul to teach
1: those who are rich in this world, which is us. Come to Tanzania with you. I'll show you that it's us.
0: Okay? Not to be proud about how we got this or how we're so smart or how not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable it is so unreliable folks have you noticed that we've had some economic crisis there's this mortgage thing there's this mortgage crisis there's this dot crisis there's this uh, COVID crisis and it's unreliable folks but God is reliable their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy all of his good creation. He's not telling you to give so that you will have less. He's telling you to give so he can give more. And so he can give through you. You can have the double blessing of receiving and giving and not just holding. And it's so fun. It is. And I know some of you have experienced it. I see some of you experiencing it. How do we do that? How do I put my trust there? Well, tell them, so I'm just obeying Paul, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. You can be rich. You can be rich in good deeds. You've got time, telling treasures. It's not about how much. It's about being rich in good needs and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. I'm reading a book about somebody who just carries around a hundred-dollar bill, so he can pray about who should I give this to? Who do you want me to give this to, God? Who should I give this to? How fun is that? That he has all kinds of fun with that. Um. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Okay, people, you know that everybody's telling you how to experience true life, right? Advertisements, investments, everybody's telling you true life is retirement life, right? All of you who are retired said, amen, retirement is the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Or does retirement come with its own challenges?
1: Yes, okay, okay. haven't gotten there yet, so I'll have to hear
0: your testimony. Um, the true life is life that comes from this. And he says, this is how you lay up, store up treasure as a good foundation for the future. As in tomorrow, as in forever. Why save for 30 years of retirement when you can save for three millennia, three trillion years of eternity? Well, you can do both as long as you use your retirement for investing in eternity. But this is life, folks. Experience true life. God wants you to re-experience true life. He wants you to experience generosity participate in his generosity, store up treasure, receive rewards, fear things that are actually worth being afraid of.
1: God who can do anything. So, it's time. Time
0: to give something. I want to just decide now, I want you to ask, come on up. I want you to decide now to give one thing. As we're worshiping here, decide to give one thing. Now, it can be time, it can be talents, it can be treasures. But the emphasis for this week is treasures. Think about something. Maybe it's money, maybe it's stuff. What's one thing you can take one step to giving? Now, we can tell stories about people who've given their houses to to the church, given there to, to help. We could do the big stuff, right? But they got there one step at a time. And they had a lot of fun on the way. Right? So just think about one thing. And you don't have to give it here. You can give it to a friend. You can give it to a ministry outside. You can, you can give it to the It's Time campaign. You can give it to our, our ongoing stuff. But... I want you to put your heart in the right place. I want you to put your treasure where it can multiply. I want you to get the reward and the life that God has for you. I want you to stop being afraid of things you don't have to be afraid of. So I'm just going to invite you during this worship time, think about one thing you're able to give up. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you and say, what do you want? What could I give? What could I get in on? What have you given me that I could share? I'd encourage you to do two things this week. One of them is talk to somebody about where you're at with your money. Tell them at least one story about something God did for you or some way that you're able to be generous. Or if you're really going to on- want to be honest, open up your spreadsheet and show them, the- show them the whole thing. And say, here's where I'm at. What do you think? um and you know as missionaries we had to do that we'd send reports back every year about everything we sent and they elders just like we don't need to care we don't care about your shampoo but but it was good for us to be able to share and to be honest with each other about what we we're doing but it's it's also challenging so i'd invite you to share and disciple each other share a story about what god's done and then I would invite you to just share something. Something you have. Some money you have. Share it with somebody who needs it. Or, or give it to somebody who can, who can invest it well for you in the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your generosity. We thank you for all you've given to us. And above all, giving yourself. Giving your son dying on the cross for us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are able to speak to us. You are able to rearrange our fears and our desires. Would you help us to hear from you and to obey exactly what we hear from you? You are worthy of trust. You are desiring to bless us. So we want to enter into that. Speak to us, even as we worship you now, about how we can receive and participate in your generosity. Pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who gave us all that we have. Amen.